0: You want to find your tribe of raving fans, and that's just what we're here to help you do. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with 360 Media, where we help entrepreneurs build better businesses by not only sharing insights and candid conversations, but by nurturing our minds as well. Get ready to explore, plan, and showcase your business, because here we go. Here's your host, Chief Strategist of 360 Media and educator at tacticalprogram.com, Justin Lamb.
1: Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Digging Deep, where I help business owners build a better business. And today I'm being joined by two really beautiful and lovely ladies. We have Duena and Molly Sprague from Good Space Online and Duena Sprague Designing. And so, you know, they are these amazing people who take spaces that all of us are living in and try to make it something that we would love to be in and say, ah, it's so good to be home. So welcome Molly and Dueno to the show. Thank you for joining me here today.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having us Justin.
3: Fun to be here.
1: So it's it's really great. It's really rare um, to see uh, a, a mother and, and daughter kind of business, a family business uh, that Kind of gets beyond the confines of small business. Like you know, we talk about a lot of family businesses, maybe a restaurant, a single, you know, like a single location, and everybody's life depends on it, and everybody has to pitch in. You know, noon, you know, all the way to midnight, two, three in the morning doesn't matter. Um, but it's really great to see that you guys have created a business that is expanded beyond just you two. Like you have designers and and everything. So you know, tell me a little bit about where Good Space started, and I know this must start in Duana's realm, but tell me how how the idea came about and how it's evolved
3: over the years. Um, Sure. So when Molly went to kindergarten, I decided to go back to school. So I went to BCIT to study and learned interior design, got got certified interior design. And then I started working, like just started working for clients and people, friends and family. And then it started to grow and it grew into a business. And from there, what I started to notice was that um, people wanted what I did. But at the time, what I did and still to some degree today is a very luxury service. The business model itself of design is a luxury service. So what I wanted to try and create and was I ever naive? But anyway, what I wanted to create was... Uh, To template it, to make it so that it was affordable, yet people still got a bespoke customized experience like of their space, so it was more it wasn't just a template everybody got the same thing, but it was a template of customization. So that took some time of trial and error and experimenting with people and their experiences. But at the end of the day, that's what Goodspace became. Good space became this templated experience for the client while we still did customized design work into this. And it was a binder at the end that we ended up creating for the client. And in it was boilerplated information, how high to hang your art, all the things that we didn't have to keep repeating. But then the planning was actually for the client of their space specifically, specifically chosen pieces for them. So that was how Good Space went. And then in 2014, the miracle of technology kicked in and we were able to do this online. So that became, now we have, we can reach people much farther than our geographical area. And in tandem with that, we also do things like um, new build construction and renovation planning. So eventually what had to happen is we had to kind of separate good space plans online from the full service aspect of construction and renovation. So that became duenas Sprague Interior Design. So that's DSID. So we sort of split the brands, but we can still do all those things for our clients depending on their needs. So where, where I feel the success of this is that we can meet the needs of a wide range because we wanted to meet, for good space all those clients in the middle you know they weren't the high-end clients but there were the clients that i think everyone deserves to live in a well-designed space so we were doing our best to kind of make that possible so and that's that's the whole concept behind good space and that's our values is that we we want to take care of people through this process because home is their sacred space so we we this is the work we do for them
1: Absolutely. And, and and it's great because, you know, what you just demonstrated there is really from a business standpoint, uh, the evolution of a business um, and and how it can grow to service an audience. And a lot of people, you know, when they're talking about multiple streams of income, people think it's like it's got to be two or three or four different industries. And it doesn't have to be. It could be different streams within the same industry, even within the same niche. Uh, and, and that is a really great demonstration, you know, in terms of creating good space and then doing a spread ESID Um no, that's great. So I'm going to back up a little bit there. Now, you talked about naivety and, you know, the naivety of trying to create something that really didn't exist at the time. Uh, you know, tell me some of the challenges that you might have bumped up against.
3: Well, um, sorry, I keep writing Bramal here, but but the challenges that we faced were, were how do we get, because like, the thing that people don't quite understand about design is the magnitude of details. This is the challenge like everyone says I just need this except in that one just there's about 14 to 20 details. So and we have to convey that somehow. So the labor time like getting our drilling getting our labor time down to create a plan mm-hmm. to a to a point where we're all we're doing is just the essential stuff and boilerplating everything else so that 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 was the biggest challenge and suddenly we're like oh, we've gone over time again, and we didn't make any money on this one. And then, you know, it was just like this process of trial and error, trial and error, on and on. And then we did find through that process, we did find, like you say, other ways of making money. So, you know, we started selling furniture, you know, we, we created relationships with direct to manufacturers, so then we could be we avoided the middle person because we didn't have good experiences with retailers, nothing against retail. It's just their their business structure didn't work with our business structure. So the, those were the kind of things that we ended up having to do is just to find the way we can be supportive and still get profitable. So that was the biggest challenge. I think it was getting everything um, so efficient, systems that were so efficient. Well, because
2: Duane has took an hourly rated service to a flat rate. So that's challenging to really isolate the time required to create that cost. And it, it was trial and error and there was loss. And, and it's just reality
3: of <laughs> somehow you know. passion carries you through. Yeah. It's like, no, my, the bits on, we're going to do this. We're going to figure this out. And it's been, a, it has been a long journey. And I, I you know, I feel like um, in the process, you know, we've created a product that we're super proud of. And that is also able to include other designers, it's not just me, like I can now train other designers within this process. So they get the satisfaction of doing the design work without actually having to run a business per se. So they can be independent.
1: Yeah, that's phenomenal. And that's really a great, great component to scaling. So, you know, all this time, you know, Molly, I'm going to guess Molly's the last one. And how many of you guys as siblings? How many, how many kids do you have? my mom is 4. Mama's 4. So we have little 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 uh Molly's going through kindergarten and and eventually I know that Molly, you know, went away to go to school. Uh so, you know, at that point, you know, what happened? Where why where did Molly go and what was what was your journey, Molly, to to get into finally into good space?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So my journey started um I went up I had to go farther than all my siblings. I had to pick the next province over. So I went all the way to Nova Scotia. Um, And when I was a little lost, I think everyone is after university, you graduate with this degree and then you're like, and now what? So um, I dabbled in a lot of my passions at the time, which were childcare and education. And I, you know, I did that. And it wasn't until we had a, a loss in our family that really, I realized I needed to be closer. And that was the loss of my dad and, Um, I had needs that I I don't think regular workspaces were supporting at the time. And my mom invited me into good space. And at the time, a family business, um, a fantastic team. And I just felt safe. And I just started answering phones. And I never thought it would fill a passion. Like I I kind of didn't take my job super seriously at the time. But uh, I just realized that I could find the same joy Of taking care of kids and having fun by taking care of clients. And I, I'm not a designer. So it's a weird world to be in, be not being a designer, but still loving what we're doing. Cause I am creative and I love watching creatives do what they do and still being on the sidelines, being a slight part of it when I get asked opinions and stuff. And I didn't realize that systems operations are like my jam. Like it's that at the end of the day. And I just dug deep into it and I learned what they needed. And I started putting, you know, systems in place to support their creative process instead of bogging them down. Like my mom said, creatives don't always want to run a business. And I didn't realize how much joy I'd find in learning how to run a business. And um, I did that and I never look back eight years later, seven, yeah. Eight it's years later. Longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. So almost 10 years, but um, I love it. You know, I've learned a lot and I meet other people who do what I do at design firms and it's, it's fun. Like we really do hold it together and I'm proud of that.
1: Perfect. And so, you know, are there any other siblings that are in the business of or is just Molly uh, in, in the business.
3: Just Molly. Just yeah, Molly. The rest, are, the rest are in other industries. Okay.
1: And so, you know, how does it feel to have, you know, one of our your, your, your children to join the business? I mean, I think a lot of people, when they have a family business, there's a part of them that wishes somebody would carry over, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, as parents, we don't want to force that upon them, you know, like, well, maybe not all of us, but some of us try not to force <laughs> those things upon our children because, you know, it's our legacy and we want them to live their life. But, you know, how do you feel about having, you know, one of your children, Naturally, come back and migrate, and find an interest into the business that you, you know, fostered from the ground up.
3: Um, mostly, I guess the way that I really am grateful for the experience is that it's it's taught us um, to be respectful of each other as adult women, and I think it it stops being a, a mother child relationships, and and as I think the healthy evolution of every. Parent and child relationship needs to go, but we don't, aren't modeled that necessarily in our culture. So I feel like we had the benefit and the experience and the opportunity to kind of evolutionize our relationship to become, you know, sisters in a world of women. And so we're mother daughter, but we're also adult women running a business together. So we've learned each other's boundaries. We, you know, we've accomplished, you know, definition and boundaries within the workspace of, you know, conversations that aren't appropriate. And, you know, we've kind of done all that, which to me has just done nothing but enrich our relationship. And it's also taught me in my other relationships, my other children, how to do that same thing, how to define the boundaries of adult to adult relationship, which is so freeing as a parent, like that sense of freedom that you have of like, I can talk to you like another adult human and not feel like I have to influence you, condescend to you, guide you, push you, like where I can actually be more of a supportive witness to your development and evolution. And we have rules, you know, I mean, we're running a business, we have to, you know, we have to meet our obligations and take care of our clients and, you know, get stuff to the accountant on time. So we're running a business together, but it's also outside of that. It's, I think, really expanded the relationship to beyond what I dreamed I would have as a parent of adult children you know this is just amazing and it's it has spread into all my other relationships with my children
1: that's amazing and and you know you're right you know in a place where nepotism occurs you know in a family Mm -hmm. business it is really difficult to uh to one post boundaries, whether it's from, yeah. you know, the, your child or for yourself, uh, but then the other is the communication gap because there is, um, you know, especially and it's more rampant, I, I guess, maybe in uh, Asian or, or um, you know, other ethnic groups where there is a hierarchy in the family and and mm-hmm. not, um, you know, it's, it's not where you can see each other's equal there. There's always still that, you know, father or mother figure and they hold the fort. Um, but it is nice when, you know, you can evolve that relationship into, you know, relatively equal in, in that sense, yeah. right? I mean, you're yeah. acquiring shareholder status. So
3: that's really yeah. great. Yeah, it's really important. I think we adopted its its intention. It wasn't once we also have been educating ourselves in feminist business models and like, you know, empowering women, and which is really important, particularly in business. So what we learned was this model of, um, rather than a hierarchy, it was a model of everybody is everybody is of the same value, and it it stops being it's it stops being I'm here, you're here. It's no everybody is of value. It's a holistic experience where everybody is important in the process, and it's a relief. As the person who might typically be in the hierarchical upper position, it's a relief because you can be vulnerable, you can be honest, you can lead with loving intention without that sense of, I know more than you, I am better than you, because I got to say, I am learning so much from younger humans that I am so grateful that I, that I have that opportunity. Like it's really done nothing but made my life better for sure, without question.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. And, you know, it's really great to see if you like, you know, when, when I talk to Molly and, and she talks about you, you know, you could tell that there's a radiance and she, you know, as much as you guys might be equals in the business, there is a part of her heart that really holds you super dear and holds you as uh, like an idol, like a hero, somebody that she can aspire to, to see, like, you know, that's where she wants to see herself grow and evolve to uh, and expand. And so it's really, really quite lovely to see. Now, does GoodSpace only work with uh, residential properties? Do you guys do commercial work?
2: So we do commercial work through our full service business model, and that and actually that's not true. No, we have supported commercial office, offices through our online model as well. We've done a couple yeah. of dental offices. Yeah, and uh, and it's interesting. They're always in hard to reach places where there's hubs of a lot of money and. And we have these pockets, in, especially in British Columbia, yeah. there's lumber, there's money being made in really hard to reach places and they want these services and um, they found good space. And we've done multiple yeah, dental offices. Yeah. yeah, Dentists like us. Yeah. Or dentist jam, I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so like with the pandemic, you know, things have changed so much and people, you know, all of a sudden found themselves from offices into their homes and that causes mm-hmm. chaos in the home. Oh yeah. Now, I mean, throughout this, this time, you know, what have you noticed in terms of the different type of asks that, uh, you know, people have had to, to make for adjustments in their homes as they introduce that work life into their home spaces? You know, have, what, what are some things that are happening? What are some trends? Um, you know, what are some things that people can, can sort of see or idolize or, or idealized as they're maybe even listening and planning their own spaces now?
2: Well, I can't tell you how many phone calls I get yeah. of people saying, you know what? It's been two months and I can't keep working at my dining room table. <laughs> I would love to get a population count of how many people are at their dining room table working right now. And it's hard and it's hard on pre pandemic, you know, having that kind of energy. We worked from home and yeah. in a space. We ran a mini studio for a bit before we got our bigger studio and it was stressful like how did I don't like, that must've been, it's difficult. You can't just put it away. It's always in your eyeline. These are things that you don't really check in that cause you daily stress. And then you're put in a situation where now you have no choice and you're under pressure already. Like mm-hmm. energetically, there's pressure in the world. So um, those were my co- like constant calls. I can't keep working at my dining room table I've never realized my walls are beige. (laughs) Like like I didn't spend enough time at home to even notice. I hate it. Um, I just think people are finally checking in with a level of forced presence in their home spaces because they're working from them. And I think before home became a flop zone, I think we have a huge traveling population, especially our clients. They are traveled people, Mm -hmm. even though home is valuable to them and they love it there it's a was a come and go kind of zone and now it's not and they don't know how to it doesn't serve them in that way so those we had these constant roadblocks for our potential clients coming to us not feeling great yeah and that's a really vulnerable place to be so i think we had to energetically serve them because some of them are now in financial shifts too they I have these needs and I can't afford your services, but I don't even know what to do. I think a lot of it was just validating people and hearing them for a little bit, and I did a lot of that. <laughs> I know you heard yeah. my, like yeah. my phone would ring, and I did a lot of that, just listening to
3: potential clients because it's hard. Yeah, you know, it was hard. It's and it, no, exactly acknowledging the stress of it, and also just reassuring them that there's a way of setting them up, regardless of the size of their space of setting them up to be successful and to feel like they're nurtured and cared for in the space because that's, the, that's what home is for. A home is a, is a safe space for you to come to, that you start and end your day, but now most of us are just starting and ending in the middle is also happening in our homes. And I think particularly in Vancouver, when we're not as, believe it or not, not as house proud as you might find in other colder places, because I think we head outside the very minute we get a chance. So I think people getting really trapped in their homes more with their kids, with school homeschooling, with work, with all that stuff. People started to realize, like, oh, I gotta do something about this space. Like, and purging became like this complete, like a lifestyle change. Everybody was purging, trying to get rid of stuff. No one wanted it because, of course, the limitations to be able to take it. So I think people experienced home as a very in a different way. In a different way. And I think employers are starting to also see home and workspace in a different way, like just and and interesting too, like just um, office supply companies like the companies like that have been putting, you know, Technion and Heritage and all these office supply companies are starting to realize like, oh, we need to start at redesigning our furniture packages, our furnishings, so that they are adaptable to be taken inside of somebody's home, sit stand desks and those kinds of workspace issues like we need to start thinking about that. And meanwhile, we were just talking about this yesterday. Meanwhile, makers and creatives have been seeing this coming for a Mm -hmm. while and suddenly all these like smart creative innovators are out there designing interesting desks and really cool things to turn your you know bedside table into a laptop desk not that that's a good idea because it's not (laughs) but you know there's smart people in this world who are thinking I've been thinking out of the box all along and suddenly all these ideas are starting to percolate up and I'm seeing something in a you know, huge corporate office supply company going, yeah, well Bob the guy on Etsy's been building those for a few years now. You know, you start to see that kind of the 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 rest of the world starting to the creatives are starting to be acknowledged and recognized but like they're they've been thinking this stuff up for a long time. And we're living in smaller spaces. We just yeah, are. are and back in the olden days. 10, 15, 20 years ago, someone would come to me and say, they have a small space. And I immediately knew no matter what we did had to be customized. There just was no such thing as small furniture. People were looking in restoration hardware and sofas. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much gonna take up your living dining room and bedroom with that one sofa. Cause it's like, there's such large things. So now we're seeing smaller sizes in recognition and acknowledgement of how we actually live in our spaces. So this is a really exciting time. I'm sure the person sitting in their dining room table with their children's diapers on the table next to them doesn't feel it's exciting. But if we go back a little bit and look at this from a different perspective, it in fact is a really exciting time to be solving these problems because what it's really talking about is making humans comfortable in the human environment. And that's exciting. We started to acknowledge, right?
1: yeah and as we all come out of this pandemic you know here and worldwide, I mean it's going to be interesting because I think a lot of business owners uh, realize the power uh, of decentralized command where you know people are working at home. and so as we come back online and you know there's part of the workforce that is going back to you know big business and and big offices, but that that sub you know culture of going to work at home maybe three or four days a week. Mm-hmm. What does that evolution seem to, you know, maybe look like in your eyes um, over the maybe next three or four years as we kind of, you know, merge into the the, the work from home, you know, part time, work from the office part time, you know, what are some things that you are seeing on the horizon for you guys as designers?
2: Yeah, so it's interesting, We um, we're looking at projects of large businesses, like we're talking 100, 200 to 500 plus staff, um, restructuring their entire business model Mm -hmm. to serve this new. You can work from home if that serves the purpose of your work today, or you can work from our workspace. And it's not your office. You need to sign out a workspace. And this isn't a new concept because those pop up office spaces that became multifunctional workspaces, you rent a desk, you have a P.O. box. You can use our facilities. Um, WeWork, all these kind of, you know, these are just sweet genius. It's another one in Vancouver here. Um, they had this idea before the pandemic, mm-hmm. and they were snatching up these entrepreneurs to use their office spaces. And now that concept of signing out an office space, you know, managing your own kind of thing, is now being adopted into these large corporations. Mm-hmm where they're having almost like a hotel kind of sign in for staff. And, you know, you don't get a picture of your kid on your desk all the time because that's not gonna be your desk tomorrow because you might be at home. It's, and I heard a CEO describe it as, you know, as an employer, we were given so much power. It fluxed so greatly that now this pandemic has forced the power back to the employee And he's like, and that's where it should be. You know, my job isn't to reign over them. My job is to make their their ability to do the job I'm asking easier. And it was put, I love he was wearing board shorts when he said it too. It was just the best, like hearing someone say, You are in charge of your work. How do you need to do it? I'm asking you what I need done. You tell me how you want to do it, if it's at home let's get you set up at home. And, and I'm hearing that they're like staff are getting allowances to set up home offices. They're getting, you know, mm-hmm. money to support their needs at home
3: to make working easier. Isn't, and that's just, I love that. Yeah. It's a really exciting. It's a really exciting construct too, because when you think about it, just from a perspective of being a leader I and mean, we're all leaders, but the, if you think in terms of like you're, you're seen as the, you know, CEO of this corporation, small or large, There is that hierarchical model, and as I see it, again, back to the feminist business model, it is coming back to that sense of everybody matters, everybody is a leader, and and it starts becoming more authentic because you more lead by example, you lead by connecting to the people that you're supposed to be leading. And by doing that, you've this amazing outcomes of these really unique and interesting opportunities. So like this guy was just like blew the mind, but then you start to see office spaces starting to say, well, you know, we need a communal space. We need a space where we can come together as a team because we're not together as much as we used to be and just connect. So comfortable seating and greens being brought, you know, green living things and, you know, high, low tables and everybody can be comfortable in the space. So suddenly silent pods for that
2: break of quiet, like they're really meeting their needs and interior design. Now they're coming to us saying, okay, we have all these grandiose ideas. We know how we want to set our staff up. Now what? Yeah. How do we do it? We have an office space that wasn't set up for that. Um, we want to invest in shifting it. And there was a really cool software company that did that while the while COVID was kind of at its highest peak. They redid their entire office space. And like Dwayne said, they opened a cafe where there was a meeting room. Mm. You know, They had shiftable, movable walls where there was once the CEO corporate offices. Now they're, they're group meeting spaces that are more spaced out
3: and they used interior design to meet those needs. And starting to think in terms of like the human experience, I don't think that was ever considered. Like, for example, uh, acoustics. Like my I see behind you, you've got like these acoustic um, pieces in your studio. But imagine, like, you know what that sounds like when a hundred people are all trying to do something at the same time. That whole open office concept was a big, great idea. It's like restaurants without they're all hard surfaces. Well, it's like, well, let's go and watch TV at the restaurant because honestly, you can't hear each other. So you're bringing into office spaces that sense of acoustic consideration, respect for people's tolerances for noise and personal space and all those kinds of good lighting. Like let's think about that and privacy as well as the sense of community, like all these things that's done through design. All of that happens through design. Not your buddy who, you know, knows how to, I don't know, knows a guy in office furniture. Like it's just that we need to be way more honoring the complexity of what we're talking about because as humans, we're complex structures. Like we have a complex, we have many senses. We have a brain that works 99% of the time over time. So finding a way to kind of make us comfortable in a workspace, whether it's home workspace or office corporate workspace, it's, it's essential to our wellness and our mental health and our productivity above all. Like we're there to get stuff done. That's why we go to work.
2: Mm. And it's interesting that CEO mentioned his staff have been more productive in and, and, and a setup. During a pandemic. During a pandemic, like when, you know, the, he it was weird walking through like a dead office. And he said, this was once had like 200 people in it. You couldn't, we couldn't be talking like this. You're like, wow. Yeah. And to think you're more productive
3: And then with an empty office space like that, it's mind boggling. I'm I'm sure that real estate sellers of commercial property don't want to hear that, but it's still that sense of like, we're getting down to the human. We're not just, you know, constructs of, you know, somebody that I need something from or something. I mean, you're not machines. We start to humanize this whole experience. And I think the humanization of this is necessary if we're going to get through what are obviously globally, really hard times. So uh, connecting each to with each other and on the human, you know, our humanity and start to humanize each other as much as, as possible is what's going to get us through all of yeah, it.
1: Absolutely. So, so I mean, like gone are the days of the really isolating cubicles where there four, are yeah. four, four grids and, you know, opening things back up and allowing that flexibility and fluidity uh, yeah. for a business. now. Let's talk about the other half is where people are going back home and they're doing their work on the dining room table. Sure. You know, what is something that you could recommend today? I mean, like, you know, obviously that's that that's a loaded question because there's got to be some consideration of what's happening in each person's home. But what are some like sort of quick things that, you know, as designers, you would say, are critical for a person to be productive at home and not at the dining table with diapers and you know other memorabilia sitting all over uh, and maybe food on the floor. <laughs> what are yeah, the things that like, they can do got, in their yeah. space to just kind of get them into that productivity mindset um, if they're not gonna go that route to, to redesign their home for whatever purposes?
3: Well, first thing probably I would do is get rid of absolutely anything in any space, in any room of your house, that you don't need, that you don't love, that doesn't serve you, doesn't have a job, get rid of it. Like, it sounds like we have way too much stuff. And whether you know it or not, every piece of stuff has an energetic impact on you. So get rid of it. And if it has great sentimental value, do the deep dive and ask if a photograph of it or giving it to a, a sister or a brother who loves it also Might be better, but get rid of stuff. That would be the first thing. And then if you're, you might end up always working at your dining room table. I mean, that's a very real possibility for some people. So if you can create a designated system, I love a system, is you a designated system for when I've finished my work time, I'm going to pick all this up and I have an actual designated space to put it, whether it's a rolling cart. Or a cabinet that maybe used to be your liquor cabinet because probably empty now because everyone's drinking like crazy <laughs> during the COVID so you know use that so I would say that's the key number one thing and then I remember when I was working from home my um Molly's workstation was actually my dining room table and I was in a spare bedroom with my office and all the tile samples everywhere in my house it's so under my sofa behind everything but we had to, I had a computer screen that was always set up on my dining room table. It's like, well, what do we do about that? So we just got into a system that was really easy. So if I needed it out of the way, just for my own peace of mind, I could unplug it and I had a place to put it. So it wasn't like under the table or something. I had it like out of my sight line. So those little tiny things, but I think clearing your space to start with is a, it sounds like just Marie Kondo the heck out of that place, right? Like do it. And then from there, you've got breathing space to make informed decisions. And sometimes we have to make hard decisions to get rid of things that we maybe paid a lot of money for, but we never really like, but we keep it because of obligation. That's the self-discipline. The other part of it is the ergonomics of it. I find when I'm sitting at my dining table working from my kitchen chair, my dining chair, I'm getting like a really sore shoulder. I'm getting really uncomfortable because it's not set at a really healthy workspace. So get a decent office chair that actually looks a little more residential. And as I was saying, a lot of these companies are starting to do that now. Even Ikea they're they're doing it now. Exactly. So get yourself a chair that, you know, still looks decent in your home. If it's sitting at your dining room table, it could be rolled into another room. Like the living room could become a living room chair, but you know, have that flexibility of your furnishings, but get an ergonomic chair and be comfortable in your workspace. That those would be like, those things are almost, except for buying the chair, are free. That's not costing you anything. And then from there, you can better assess, do I need a designer to come in and help me design something that I can, you know, properly store things in or convert into a desk. It depends on the size. I'm, you know, communicating out of the consideration we're probably in a smaller space and if you have children and pets it just feels way smaller and the more bodies in the space the smaller it feels right
1: Mm -hmm. I love that I mean like when we're talking about uh, working from home I think a lot of people run into this problem especially if you're having children at home during this time I mean when they're when when we go back to normal they won't be at home as often probably as uh, as they enter the kindergarten stage but you know A lot of business owners don't know when to shut off. And I like the fact that when you're talking about when you're done with it, that you put it away. It's actually a great signal. It's a great transition period for an individual to say this is done for the day and I can turn it off. Like I get myself permission. And that's the thing is we give ourselves we can give ourselves permission by saying that's done now this table is for family time and we're going to eat dinner and I'm not going to have this flickering screen or my laptop dinging um, and it's put away in a corner and that'll be it for the day. And, you know, having that in a systematic process, I think really uh, helps close out a person's yeah. psychology yeah. for the day, get them out of that space, especially when they're stuck in that space all day long. So, you know, I really yeah. like that that piece of advice. Uh, and, you know, it is true. We, we do have so so much stuff in our yeah. in our in our houses and you know Mary condo couldn't have come at a better time before the yeah. pandemic started uh right. and the whole minimalist movement you know and you know the sentimental things that we carry around from us uh you know is it's really quite substantial i mean i know we we've, we've had to downsize grandparents and you know we've had to completely eliminate a a, a farm full of stuff which is ridiculous yeah. at how how much of a hoarder we we are as as humans right so oh, um, yeah it is, it is really great great advice to to pare things down and then to set up a space and then have a designated space to put it away to to transition yeah. your day it's
3: the ultimate act of self-care like we keep hearing about self-care and it's this and it's that but the reality of it is it's it's showing yourself self-respect it's like loving yourself enough to say i deserve to just put this away for now and have the freedom to connect with my humans the way I want to in this moment. So these are like basic acts of self-care and that's that's a mental health consideration, 100%. And
2: they're just a mini act of setting boundaries for yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. And learning that like the boundary is just teaching yourself like Buena said, how you wanna be treated. And I just think phones are pesky and I think we all need to set those little mini boundaries. Cause I think for some people, putting your laptop in a basket and setting it somewhere where, you know, you can't see it is hard. Mm-hmm. And um, I do think it's
3: important though,
2: especially in your home is to recognize that it is serving you
3: by, by taking that break. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be, I remember there was this thing in weight watchers, like they would say, put it in the freezer. So you have to wait for it to thaw, which I thought was hilarious because I have a microwave works, <laughs> but if you're doing that with your laptop or your monitor, you've unplugged it, you've moved it, it causes you to pause before you go do it. If it's out of sight and it makes means you have to work to go get it, if it's sitting on the kitchen table open, Oh man, I will go send that email. I will go contact that person. I will, I'll just, da da da. meanwhile, my pot burned on the stove because I got in the zone because I do love my work. I love what I do. And so you get in the zone of what you're mm-hmm. doing. And then suddenly you realize you haven't gone to yoga. You haven't put your food away. You haven't made your bed. You, ha- you know, and all of a sudden it's like, so yeah, you do need to, I think by putting it away or having a door that you can lock on it, says this day is done this work day is done and now i move on as hard as that is but it does those are kind of like like the frozen food in the in the freezer
1: yeah, and for clarity, anybody who's listening, remember, she's not telling you to put the laptop or the monitor <laughs> in the freezer. She's telling you to put it on ice by putting it in a basket and closing it out for your day. But just, just to be clear, because I don't want somebody DMing me and go, hey, I put this thing in the freezer and now my laptop doesn't work. We don't want that to happen. So don't put it in the freezer, guys.
3: Yeah, but yeah, no, it's a
1: metaphorical freezer. Metaphorical freezer. freezer. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me here today. I hope you guys, uh, you know, enjoyed this. I, I hope the people listening got a little bit of uh, a tidbit out of this whole process. And, you know, those people who have stuck around to the very end, thank you so much. But you'll know I'm going to ask this question. I asked it to all of our uh, podcast guests, and I'm you guys are no different. I'm going to ask you guys, what is a book or resource that has deeply impacted your life or career? And I'm going to each of you take a turn because, you know, I like just adding books to my list. So.
2: Well, I got mine on the top of my head. So I will go first. Mine is The Awakened Woman. By Dr. Terai Trent. I am unbelievably proud to say that. And for those listening, go buy her book right now because it'll change your life too. She is incredible. Her journey is, it will change your life. Why reading how she changed her life from a woman who never seen an airplane and had a mm. baton of poverty and just nothingness passed to her. And she just hocked it to the ground, said, F you, Baton, I'm not picking you up. I'm changing my life. I'm changing the pattern. And she did. And she became a doctor. And she is, she changed my life. I got to do a a retreat with her. And man, she awakened me. So thank you, Terrorai. That's that she changed my life. So
3: there, there you go. So good. So good. Okay. I have so I'm a readaholic. I have a serious book addiction and podcast addiction oh my god so much i just the learning is like the greatest gift i've ever given myself is the opportunity to like learn from great teachers so the one book i can't even remember what it's called now i'm just embarrassed because i can't remember the title that's the other thing i do is forget what i read is the one that taught me about systems how to make systems in my business like that was transformative for me and i'm sorry i can't remember the title and then of course. I started reading Brene Brown when I, like a very long time ago, like her gift of um, imperfection was the first book I read of hers. It was her first, I think her first published book, but, it is. From, and then onward. And from that, I learned so much about boundaries, about my own worth and value and about being vulnerable as a leader. Like to me, that was like such a relief. And as a leader, as a mother, you know, all those roles that, we play is to come into that sense of connection with others from eye to eye, heart to heart, made all the difference, for sure. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the And she bought us the
2: gift of imperfection all of us for christmas she's a preacher of that book so yeah, it's not surprising that, that and the four
3: agreements that's, that's another one that's amazing
2: see i told you she couldn't pick one <laughs>
1: <Jessica.
2: laughs> no
1: in the preamble you should have seen Dwayna's face she just dropped she's just like i can't pick one how am i going to pick one and like pick you know,
3: your favorite child what <laughs>
1: Well, That's not you, possible. No, no, no. Now you're being politically correct because everybody has a favorite child. You just don't want to say it because you don't want to blow the roof off. But you know, <laughs>
2: Justin you know. and I are the same. Justin, she sent your are My Favorite Child" card to me one year, and I was like, "Yes, it's the truth." Came out. She sent it to all of us. <laughs> Yeah. So that's that's
1: politically it. correct.
3: That's a <laughs> that is a totally loaded move, mom. Right? It's like everyone, and then because of the way they took the pictures for Instagram, like they were posting them, is Molly's look bigger. bigger. And <laughs> her sister called me, she goes, Why is Molly's card bigger?
2: Everyone was like, Why did you get a bigger card of my like, the magic of photography? Talk to yeah. Justin Land, he'll talk to photography. <laughs>
1: oh man that's awesome Well thank you guys so much for, for joining me here today it was such a great chat uh, For those people who want to connect with you how are they going to connect with you?
2: please check us out uh, We are goodspaceplansonline.com we are at goodspaceplansonline online on Facebook, Instagram shoot me an email hello at mygoodspace.com and we will happily chat you through how you're feeling at home even if you can't think you can't afford it let me change your mind so come to goodspace.
1: Amazing. And for those people who didn't get that on the audio portion, make sure you look at the description because I'm going to link those in the description below. So, but thank you again for joining me and I hope everybody has a great day and I will see you guys all next
0: week. We want to thank you for listening to the Digging Deep Podcast with 360 Media. Your time is valuable, and we're deeply humbled that you are spending this time with us. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on Instagram at 360photo and at Tactical Titans. You can also email us. We want to make this channel great, something you enjoy and find tons of value in. Send us your insights to info at 360photo.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us reach more listeners. As always, tune in next week as we dig deeper into business and marketing.